Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hey, everyone. It's Jenna Ellis, and I am so excited to launch my brand new podcast, Just the Truth, uh, here with Just the News. And of course, the official launch is going to be on Monday, but I want to bring you all into a very special conversation that I had tonight with Congressman Mike Johnson from Louisiana. He's one of my very best friends here in D.C. And uh, we just launched my brand new show on Real America's Voice, also called Just the Truth, in the 6 p.m. Eastern hour. And I wanted you to be able to hear this conversation that I had with him because this really sets the stage, I think, for what I'm going to be talking talking about on this podcast, which is bringing the truth uh, to the founding of America, what the principles of liberty uh, genuinely are, how we can understand the Constitution. The biggest question that I always get from everyone who talks to me, especially CPAC last week, um, emails that I get, social media comments I get, is always, well, first about election integrity. And then, of course, uh, where do we go from here? How do we preserve liberty to the next generation? How do we save our constitutional republic? And that's the question that I posed to Congressman Johnson. And I also want to tell you just before uh, you hear this interview, because you're going to hear us talking uh, back and forth. And of course, you know, we're, we're great friends. And I just sincerely respect him. I love his wife, Kelly. Um, they're just a wonderful family. Um, I actually met him uh, the very first day that I worked for President Trump. And um, the president had uh, called me um, and said, you know, okay, everything, everything's all set. And, um, you know, we're gonna have you as a senior advisor to the campaign. I was personal counsel to the president. Um, an amazing, amazing opportunity. And then he says to me, Jenna, have you ever been to a Trump rally? And I said, no, Mr. President, but I would love to. And, you know, these look so amazing. Of course, I watch them on TV all the time. And he said, well, um, you know, come come back to D.C. tomorrow. And, um, you know, we've got room on the plane. And, of course, he's referring to Air Force One. So my first day on the job, I find myself on Air Force One with President Trump in the conference room on board Air Force One with a bunch of congressmen, including representative mike johnson so that was the beginning of our friendship and uh, we connected in flight uh, just talking about his background as a constitutional uh, law advocate um, his background advocating for religious liberty um, and we of course were part of the whole effort on the first impeachment um, and he's just been a really great friend and um, someone i actually consider a mentor because um, he just has such this great breadth and depth of um, understanding of of the law and love for America and our founding heritage. So, um, so really enjoy this interview, and I'm really excited to start Monday. Tune in to the Just the Truth podcast, and of course, 6 p.m. daily on Real America's Voice. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. 
Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We are in the midst of a cultural and constitutional crisis, and everyone sees that. The biggest question that I've always been asked um, over the past several months and even the past couple of years is how do we get back to a constitutional republic where we are a nation of rules, not a nation of rulers? And so here to address these questions is my very good friend, uh, Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana. And even more importantly, I think, Mike, than being a congressman, is that you are a constitutional law attorney, you are a Christian, and you have very substantive expertise in all of these areas. So I'm really thankful that you're here to talk about these really important questions. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, and congratulations on the new program. It's a very exciting time for you, and I'm, I'm glad Thank to be part you. of it. Yes, absolutely. So what to you is the most important way that we can actually keep our republic and that our republic will survive? It is a great question and an important one right now. As you and I have talked about offline, you know, a a lot of people right now are struggling to define who we are as conservatives. Everyone's asking the question, what's the future of the Republican Party? Where does the movement go in these sort of uncharted waters that we find ourselves in? And, and what I always say is we don't need to uh, chart a new course, so to speak. We need to be reminded of what the true north is because it's never changed, right? When yes. Ronald Reagan left um, office, his famous farewell address, he said, you know, they call me the great communicator, but I really wasn't that. I was just communicating great things. And he said they're the same great things that have guided our nation since its founding, right? And what are those great things? We, we talk about the principles of individual freedom and limited government, the, the rule of law peace through strength, fiscal responsibility, free markets, human dignity, the sanctity of every single human life. Those are the great truths that guide us, right? As, as Republicans, because they define our party, they guide us as, as conservatives. But more fundamental than that, they, they guide us as Americans. That is, those are quintessential American ideals. And so what we need to do to save the Republic and to chart the course forward is to remind everyone of the same old truths. That's what Reagan did so well in his era. That's what the late Rush Limbaugh did for 30 years every day on, on the, that's what you're going to do here on the program, is, is we're not inventing new truths, we're not grasping at straws, we're, we're going back to the foundational beliefs that have made this country great, and we're, we're sort of repackaging and representing that to a new generation, because it will resonate, we just have to be faithful about it. Yeah, and when, and when we talk about truth, it's so important to recognize that truth is objective. It's not just this collective where we can decide uh, what is and isn't truth today. But what we're seeing in a postmodern society, and when you talk about resonating with the next generation, so many people in even my age group and millennials and Gen Zers don't actually believe in truth. They have this idea and this concept of my truth versus your truth. And so they may either accept all of those things as immutable truths, or they may say, you know what, I reject the Republican Party, and and those are just your values. So how do we even go a step beyond that and even fundamentally start talking to people about why those principles aren't just Republican or conservative, they're truthful? Yeah, and and we start there, because a a layman's definition of postmodernism, we use these fancy $10 words, right? We're in a postmodern culture, we're really in a 
almost a post-Christian culture now. It's hard for us to admit, but we are. We're in a, sort of a new era in America. And the reason is because you have now two, three generations of Americans that have been raised on this idea that there is no absolute truth, right? That, that everything is relative, moral, you know, relative morality, and that everyone gets to decide what's right and wrong on their own. But that's a dangerous uh, uh, course to chart, right? And the Founding Fathers uh, tried to warn against that, right? And, and, and the reason that they put these ideals, these foundational principles in our founding documents is that they wanted to, to, to create our nation based upon really a creed. You know, G.K. Chesterton was the great uh, British philosopher, and he said, America is the only nation in the world that's founded upon a creed. They're different. America is different. And he said it's listed with almost theological lucidity in the Declaration of Independence. And what yes. was the first objective truth? What was the most important? Way back to the nation's birth certificate, he said, we hold these truths to be self-evident. And by the way, what's, what's a self-evident truth? It's something you cannot not know, as an old law professor of ours said, um, because it's, it's, it's in your heart, given to you by your creator. They say, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, not born equal, created equal, which means by someone. Well, it said we're created by God, and our creator is the one that gives us our inalienable rights. They don't come from the government, as you say all the time. It comes from God himself. That is an objective, unchanging truth. And a belief and acceptance in that truth, that there is a creator and he's the one that gives us our rights, has all sorts of implications about our philosophy, about our public policy, about what we pursue individually and collectively as a nation. And we, when we abandon that first, the seminal objective truth of America, um, we, we abandon it at our peril, and that's what's gotten us where we are. So the, the, the answer is to remind people what America really is all about. Go back to the original foundational creed and build from there. And we have to make sure that we go back to those foundational principles because as much as the leftists and uh, some of the progressives want to ignore those things, we haven't actually changed our founding creed. And what is so fascinating, I think, about uh, this whole dialogue and conversation is that this isn't just a perspective of a Christian or a perspective of a conservative. This is what our founding documents say. And so if these people want to reject that, they're going to have to start a whole new country. They're going to have to start a whole new society or somehow uh, ha recreate the Constitutional Convention, which we don't even allow for here in America. And so when they have these and they abandon these principles and these values and they reject this, then they're actually rejecting the benefits that they're actually living in in society today. And so we tend to, uh, Congressman, talk on a really top level of just policy. And, you know, you go on television a lot and talk about why this policy versus that one is uh, better, worse, or same. But what we really need to do, and I think the way forward as you articulated, is to come back to a foundational level and build from there. So very concretely, um, and you know, you teach constitutional law, and this principle, this first principle of limited government yeah. is so incredibly important because we're recognizing in our society, the first one in world history, that we have all of our rights and we only give limited powers to government. So in Congress, uh, from a practical level, why is that so incredibly important? And what is it, how to help everyone understand that principle more concretely? Well, great question. We could unpack that for a couple of hours, <laughs> just that topic, but you're seeing this dramatic overreach by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and the Democrats in Congress right now, in increasingly pursuing a radical agenda 
where they're beginning to openly now admit that this is about the centralization of power. In fact, just two days ago, in a, or yesterday actually, uh, in the House Rules Committee, uh, they were uh, debating H.R. Uh, 1 and bringing this crazy bill to the floor to federalize national elections. And, um, and, and some of the Democrats who were there to argue on behalf of their party and their cause said, they actually used the terms, it's now time for us, we really need to centralize power. Now we have to recognize how diametrically opposed that concept is to what the founders intended and what they put into our founding documents, right? Why were they so determined to decentralize power? Because they knew that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's why they set up the Constitution the way they did, to separate powers, to have checks and balances, this elaborate system that we have, this unique system, this extraordinary system. These are some of the keys that have made America the most exceptional nation in the history of the world because we recognize human nature. And the, what, the reason we were able to recognize and acknowledge human nature is that we first recognized that creator, right? Back to, all the way back to the foundation, right? And that God uh, gives us our rights, but they're subject to abuse. If, if the men in power, the men and women in power, do not owe some sort of accountability and allegiance to a power that transcends our, our kind of temporal institutions, right? And so th that's why they said, Washington said in his farewell address, he said, of all the, the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports, right? It, what he meant was those are the foundational things. You cannot have a self-governing people unless you have a common recognition and appreciation among those people of these basic principles of religion and morality. So all that ties into the limited government concept because if you erase the idea of a sovereign or God, right, you erase the idea of the creator, which the Democrat Party is on its way to doing, right? They're becoming completely secular in their ideology and their platform philosophy. If you remove God and, and then you remove, you know, the absolutes that are there, right, something has to fill that vacuum and void and they turned the state, the all-powerful government, to take it over. So they're very earnest in this pursuit, Jenna. When they say we, it's time to centralize power again, they, they're actually getting the state, the government itself, to fill the place that the Creator used to hold. And these are, this is a perilous pursuit for the people. Yeah, and, and two things I think are so important that you just said, which is first uh, acknowledging that they are going completely outside of the government that is actually established by our founding documents. So they have no power to do this. This isn't just right. a, oh, we think this is a better idea. So this whole concept of a fluid constitution I want to get into uh, with you because that's really the pushback mainly as well. Okay, the, so the founders were antiquated. Their ideas don't translate well into the 21st century. We don't actually have to read the text of the constitution. Uh, and that's that's a completely arbitrary um, and, and again a post-truth society saying that there isn't absolute, we can't look at the text and have it have meaning. But then one other thing I think that's incredibly important that you just said is that our nation was founded recognizing God is the sovereign. Mm -hmm. So many people, even well-meaning conservatives, especially our good friends, the libertarians, will say that we the people are the sovereign because the constitution begins with we the people. They'll say, well, it's just up to us as a collective to then determine morality for ourselves. We then have the majority rule and they have actually substituted where the Democrats have this collective. We have maybe unintentionally sometimes as Republicans or conservatives have unintentionally 
abandoned the truth of who our sovereign is and we've substituted a God of our own making, which is of ourselves. We have, and, and uh, we've created it as an idol, right? I mean, Washington said religion and morality are the indispensable supports. The second president, John Adams, he said it even more simply. He said, look, our constitution is made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the governance of any other. And, and why did they say that? Because they, they, they knew that there needed to be a broad recognition. That, and we're going to get into that yes, okay. um, into the next segment. We'll be right back with Congressman Mike Johnson. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. continuing the conversation with Congressman Mike Johnson. And uh, Congressman, this is so incredibly important, what you were saying uh, right before the break about uh, the idols and substituting ourselves and our own collective judgment uh, without the oversight of a divine lawgiver, which our founders, of course, recognize as the God of the Bible. So continue on that line of thought. Well, there's so much to unpack with that. I mean, you know, one of the reasons that we, we call religious liberty our first freedom is of course because it's listed first in the Bill of Rights and the founders placed it there because they knew the seminal importance of that idea. If, if religion and morality were to be the foundations of a self-governing people, then they, they understood that the seedbed of, of virtue really comes from those two things and so you, you need to have a vibrant expression of religion in the free marketplace of ideas, in the public square, as part of the culture, a part of the society if indeed you're going to have a self-governing people. Because remember, and, and my wife Kelly and I, you know Kelly, we do um, seminars in churches on Sunday nights. And we, we unpack this and talk about how do you relate the Christian worldview to like what was God's original design for government and then, and then how does that relate to America and what's happening now and how do we get back to the, this idea of greatness and these foundational truths. And one of the things we unpack is we just explain simply what is so extraordinary about the American Revolution, right? Because we're the first people in the world, the first nation, that founded ourselves on this idea that our rights come from God and not the government. Remember, before that, almost every nation, every people group recognized what, they, what we refer to as the divine right of kings. They said there's, there's a, an earth, there's a, they were deists or, or believers, they thought in a, um, uh, the, the theology was there was a God, right? But that there was a, a king, a sovereign over the people, and then all the subjects are down here, right? Well, the American Revolution comes along and we say, wait, that's not right. The king is a tyrant. He's taking away our rights that are inalienable. We should go above the earthly king and go to the king of kings, right? We, we appeal to our creator himself. And so the creator rights come straight to us. We're going to erase the sovereign in the middle, the earthly sovereign. And that means we're going to have a, a governance of, by, and for the people, as Lincoln later said. And I love the end of the declaration, the language that says we're appealing to the supreme judge of yep, the universe. So they, they knew exactly who the sovereign was. And they relied on that divine providence, and they, and they entrusted everything and took the great risk. To, to believe that God might believe and bless this uh, this experiment in self-governance. And by the way, it's still an experiment. You know, we don't know how yes. long a constitutional republic can last. We're only about 245 years into this experiment. Um, it, it could dissolve tomorrow. And there's some things that we have to maintain to keep the republic, so to speak. And that, that's why all this is so important. But, you know, when you remove the king and you have the people of, by, and for the people governing themselves, 
you, there's, some, there's some presuppositions to keep that going. That's why we still call this an experiment, the greatest one ever. We're the longest lasting constitution on the earth. We're, we're the great model for almost every other nation on the planet that wants to be like us and wants to have our great uh, success and, and uh, human flourishing as we've had. But those are not accidents. They came to us because we founded ourselves on these principles that some people are now doing their darndest to pull us away from, and, and we shouldn't do it. It's a dangerous thing. Yeah, and so when we get into this idea of a fluid constitution or saying, well, those principles that maybe worked in 1776, although now the progressive lefts are saying, oh, well, we were built on racism and um, sexism and all of these other uh, terrible ideologies, and they're trying to uh, remove all of our heritage from our founding, and they're trying to remove these principles. And even some people on the right, I see very, very passionate, well-meaning people on the right who want to have a free and just society, but they think that that means that we have to have diversity of thought, including moral virtue, and that a common code of morality um, is something that would be imposing my morality on you. And so it's almost this thing that we can't even talk about a fundamental interpretation or an originalist view of the Constitution without first evangelizing people. So when you're making arguments in front of Congress, for example, and when you are talking to your constituents, um, even who agree with you on some of the policy, uh, what's the best way to encourage other people how to have this argument when it's not just my truth versus your truth, it's objective truth? Yeah, it's a, it's a great uh, question because often we get accused of wanting to establish religion, <laughs> right? I mean, that's the Separation of church and state. Separation right? of church and state, right? <laughs> And part of the thing that we go to great lengths to try to help remind people of, you know, the, this basic historical truth, obviously separation of church and state is not in the Constitution, from the letter that Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist Association, what he was explaining to the, to the Baptist, and I'm, I'm a Southern Baptist, and we, we, we fiercely uh, protect religious freedom and this, this, this idea against the establishment of religion, because we know that the, the separation that Jefferson was talking about is he said, look, you don't need to worry, he told the Danbury Baptist in 1801, don't worry. The way we've set this up, I'm paraphrasing Jefferson in his letter, the way we set this up is we, we have ensured that the government will never encroach upon the freedom of your church and your religion to, to, to follow the dictates of your own conscience, to live out your faith in the public square. That's what's going to make us America. We want that to flourish. We'll never say that everybody needs to be the Church of England kind of thing. We'll never be the Church of America, right? We're never, everybody's not, we're gonna, the law's never gonna force everybody to be a Baptist or a Catholic or a Presbyterian or a Puritan. But we want all those things in the mix, right? We want to allow you to pursue any of that or none of it. That's the beauty of America, that we respect everyone's right to believe and act upon their belief. So he said, when he was talking about the separation, he said there's a wall, the government's never gonna be able to encroach upon your church. He did not mean the other way around. In other words, right. the First Amendment, as you and I talk about all the time, the First Amendment was intended to be a shield for people of faith. The radical left has twisted the meaning of that, and now it's being used as a weapon against people of faith, as if the ideas that we're talking about is somehow an unconstitutional idea, that this is somehow an establishment of religion. It's not that. We need religion. We need morality in order for the republic to survive, but that's a very different thing than saying the law is going to demand it, right? Now, right. our libertarian friends take, take the other approach and they say, uh, we don't really need any laws at all, right? We just, total limitation of all that. Well, okay, but the response to that is that the founders also said that we do have liberty, we do have freedom, 
But there are legitimate constraints upon that liberty. We have to exercise this freedom responsibly. Why? Because that's what our Creator intended for us. He's the one that ordained civil government. Read Romans 13 if you're a Christian. Go check it out, right? And he said the civil authorities are there to maintain order. And you have to respect that. And as, as Adams was trying to explain the difference between what we were doing and what England was doing, he said we're a nation of laws, not of men. No one is above the law. The law is equal. That's why Lady Justice has the blindfold, right? Equal justice under laws is engraved right there on the Supreme Court building. Um, and the only main way to maintain all that is to have a common sense, a common respect for some basic principles, again, of religion and morality. Not, not my religion, not your religion, but these basic principles that are inherent and, and part of our Judeo-Christian heritage. Yeah, and these basic truths, and, and I think everyone, even on the left, they see that there is a measurable difference between right and wrong and good and evil. No one, uh, for example, right now it, on the left is saying that uh, what what uh, Governor Cuomo is is accused of is okay, right? They say, and they'll, they'll post that on their social media, they'll say that is wrong. And once they use that term, that implies a common code of morality. Oh. That implies that we are all appealing to the same same standard of truth. But what they want to do is manipulate that standard when and where and how it's to their advantage instead of recognizing that America was founded on liberty and the opportunity to pursue happiness, but within that common constraint. And so so we're seeing that even in the Equality Act, which mm -hmm. I definitely want to talk to you about, because uh, that's something I think for uh, people of faith, of course, they're concerned about that encroachment, about the state coming in and demanding that the church is compelled actually to believe in secularism, to believe uh, that there are no moral constraints and say whatever each individual wants to believe, we have to condone as right, we have to participate in, we have to do. And then on the same hand, they're saying that the church and people of faith should have no place in government. So um, so with the Equality Act, um, what do you see as, as the most dangers to our constitutional republic? The, the, the easiest way to summarize what's wrong with the Equality Act is that it would be an imposition of a, a new federal government orthodoxy on these most essential questions about what it is to be human, what it, right? I mean, the, the belief in in, in uh, two genders, the belief in the traditional definition of marriage, you know, some of these things are inherent in, uh, in, in God's created order of things, right? And so what they're saying is they're going to they're gonna eviscerate the freedom of, of disagreement, the, the freedom that we have in the free marketplace of ideas to have sincerely held religious beliefs and to be able to not just believe those things but to act upon them, right? And so the Equality Act, while it sounds good, uh, right? Well, no one's for discrimination. Look, I said right, on the so House they title floor. title it fine. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, what I said on the House floor in arguing against the Equality Act is I said, some of our friends have implied that we don't believe in the dignity and respect of all people. To the contrary, because we believe that all men, all people are made in the image of God, we believe that every single person has inestimable dignity and value. And your value is not related in any way to the color of your skin or, or where you grew up, or what zip code you live in, you know, your talents, how attractive people think you are. It, none of that is relative at all. Your value is inherent because it's given to you by God. And because of that, every single person is entitled to dignity and respect. But one of the, one of the implications of that is that we have to respect the, uh, the right to disagree. And, and so in this context, what the Equality Act would do is be forced by law everyone to conform to the same idea, right? And so if you have a sincerely held religious belief, if you have this, this, this conscience uh, that, that prevents you, for example, if you're a health care provider, from engaging in the performance of an abortion, 
This law has provisions that would disallow that. It would force you to violate your most sincerely held religious belief and end a human life. Uh, in the name of non-discrimination, mm -hmm. this doesn't work. So it's, it's completely backward then. Backwards. And, and so what we're seeing too, the, the reflection of true equality that we see in the Judeo-Christian worldview is the only way that you get to genuine equality when you do have diversity of characteristics. Right. When obviously, you know, there's so many things that are the same about you and me. We're both attorneys. We're both Christians. Um, you know, there are other things that are the same, but we obviously have some unique differences as a biological man versus a biological woman, congressman, not, not congresswoman. So we have all of these differences. We only get to equality when we recognize that we are all human human beings made in the image of God. And I think that's what's so incredibly important about being consistent in our founding principles. And so we will be right back with more of Just the Truth with Congressman Mike Shatson. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to Just the Truth, and we're continuing the conversation with Congressman Mike Johnson. And uh, Congressman, of course, in this last segment that we have together for this discussion, we've been talking so much, and, and, and like you said, we could have um, you know just hours and hours of conversation, <laughs> which you and I have, uh, about all of these things. Um, but I want to get to the solutions, because so often uh, conservatives, especially right now with the Biden administration, they see all of the things that are troublesome and worrisome about our post-truth culture. Um, let's get to some positives as well of what people can do to encourage uh, young people to get involved in government, in civics, being responsible citizens. What are the top one or two things we can do actively to preserve our republic? So two things come to mind. Uh, there's a passage of scripture, Psalm 11.3, says if the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? It's not a rhetorical question anymore. The foundations are being whittled away. And the other thing that comes to mind is what Reagan said about freedom not being passed along in the bloodstream. You know, it's not an automatic thing that our children inherit. We have to continually defend and preserve it. And so the question everybody has right now is, how do, practically, how do we do that? What does that look like, right? Well, the, one of the ways you preserve freedom is that you, we can no longer take for granted that people understand and accept these basic truths, right? I, I mean, I think one of the things that's motivated you to begin this program is to have dialogue about this, right? To get people to think about it again and talk about it and, and remind ourselves of those old timeless truths. Again, the guiding principles, as we said at the outset of the program, that will guide our nation and have been guiding it since its founding. And, and so what does that mean practically for us as individuals? It means that we use our own spheres of influence, no matter who we are, everybody has some sphere of influence. You know, social media now, uh, everybody talks to lots of people more than they would have normally, but it's more about, I think, the personal interaction. You can do a lot on social media, you can do a lot digitally. But this requires human interaction. It requires us to, to spend time with people, young people, adolescents, college students, who are have crazy ideas about a lot of this. Like this, this, you know, these new generations, if you look at the polling, they're way off. They don't they don't recognize absolute truths anymore. So we have to take the time to, to 
to kind of build those relationships and have those discussions. I mentioned that Kelly and I go around to churches on Sunday nights and we unpack this to large groups and then we say and we challenge those groups that go out and we're in Christian churches all the time. You're called by God. Our belief, a central premise of our belief is that we have to be the salt and light. We're supposed to contend for the faith. We're supposed to engage the culture. And each of us are, are given certain passions, things that just really animate us. We see something happening on the news, we go, that's not right. Somebody should do something about it. Well, maybe you should do something about it, right? Absolutely. In your community, at, at whatever level you are, whatever level you're able to engage, at a neighborhood level, a community level, a city level, maybe you're called to do something at the state or the federal level like, like we're doing, um, you have to engage and be found faithful in those things. And if you do that, John Adams also said, he said, you know, duty is ours, results are God's, right? Just be faithful in your duty, and I, I believe God takes care of the rest. Yeah, and, and I think that's also uh, reflected as well in the Bible. Uh, one of my favorite uh, examples is the prophet Jeremiah, who didn't win a single convert. He wasn't one of the you know mega church ministries back in his day, but the Lord called him faithful because he continued to speak truth and he continued to do what God had for him. And so, um, so as people are um, are looking at that and they're saying, you know, well, what is my sphere of influence? Um, what would you say as a congressman, as someone who's part of obviously the government, uh, what would you say to the church and to the pastors who are so worried about cancel culture, they're so worried about maybe offending young people who are in their congregation, what's your message to them about how they can be influential? Pastors have a heavy responsibility to help the church engage. I really believe that. I think that's one of the you know, the duties of the shepherd, right, to, to lead the flock that God's entrusted to them. And, and so they, they ought to be spurring along community engagement. You know, if somebody's really passionate about the life issue, you know, that, that's something that really burdens their heart. They see what's happening. There are ways to engage in that at a local level. You, you know, look up your local crisis pregnancy center. Go and volunteer. Help them with their annual fundraising banquet. Maybe you can donate funds. Maybe you can um, donate time. Uh, they all need help. There, there are arenas in every single thing. Maybe you're burdened about what's happening to public school curriculum. Have you engaged with your local school board? Maybe you should go down there and monitor those meetings and see what's happening and be a sentinel for your own church, a body of believers, to come back and report to them. Maybe you have time to go and, and monitor that where others don't. You can be a conduit for information and to collectively you can make change that way. You know, whatever the issue is that really is the one thing that just makes you not go to bed at night. Like you just really Post all the time on Facebook. Really, yeah. <laughs> that may very well be the arena in which God is calling you to get engaged, right? And there's endless ways to do this. Our friends at the Family Research Council and many other ministries, the State Family Policy Councils, they have how-to manuals, how to, how to get a committed group of believers in your church to get together and do this together. Pick your issues, go and engage. Every little thing you do, God can, you know, supernaturally expand that. And we've seen it happen and, all over the country. And what do you think uh, about people who contact their legislators and congressmen? So when you hear from constituents and when you talk to your colleagues, is that something that is really impactful and you've seen change minds? Or, uh, you know, because a lot of people will say, well, I contacted my congressman. I just got this form letter back. Uh, what's the practical impact of that? Yeah, there is. Look, you know, a, a volume of correspondence from constituents in a, in a member of Congress's district has an impact, you know. They, they, they do, they are called, they are set to, to, sent to Washington to represent the people, right? And so if there's a groundswell of support for or against a measure, that, that is an influence, you know. And um, so everybody should engage in that, certainly. Help hold those people accountable that are elected to serve you and make sure they do it well. 
And for the people who also are in their state and local district, I think there's so much emphasis on the national level often. Uh, but the, as we've been talking about federalism, this idea that states have sovereignty, that we don't have a centralized government, that that's closer to the people. Uh, what about have you seen, practically speaking, that people can do on their state level to impact legislators? Wow, yeah. I mean, I, I was a state legislator for a few years before I came to Congress. And uh, it, it's even easier to impact that. The, the, the closer you get to the local level, the bigger influence you can have. And so at the city council level, the local school board, you know, your county commission, uh, your state legislature, there are, there are groups of, of conservatives and there's the Republican Party groups, there are, uh, you know, faith-based groups that are working every day to influence public policy in that arena. They all need help, they all need support, and they need more volunteers to get engaged. So if, if, you, if you have that inclination, you certainly should. Now is the time to do it, Jenna, before we lose these freedoms. Yes, absolutely. And on that note, thank you so much, uh, Congressman Mike Johnson, for coming and speaking with me about all of these things. And of course, uh, we could, we we can uh, absolutely go even more in depth with so much of this. And that's what we're going to be doing here on Just the Truth: is making sure that every night we unpack a lot of these uh, concerns, a lot of these constitutional issues. And we're not just we're just going to talk uh, top level on policy or this back and forth in this clash in this debate that's important but we first have to understand why we have to understand our constitution we have to understand this principle of limited government all of these things are so incredibly important and that's why we're here on just the truth we'll be right back carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So that wraps up my interview with Congressman Mike Johnson. I hope that that uh, gave you a better idea and understanding of what we're going to be discussing on this podcast, as well as the show, The Principles of Freedom, of Liberty, of Understanding the Truth. The truth and the proper, correct definition of objective truth is so incredibly important in our post-truth society. And we have to have to, have to make sure that we are standing up firmly for truth. We can't be intimidated, everyone. We cannot allow the left to spend their lives to call us names, to cancel culture us, and to tell us that we can't speak truth. Because if we lose truth and we fail and cease to recognize truth in our society and in the free exercise or the acting on our rights, the exercise of those rights, it's not just about believing, it's about exercising. If we fail to act on liberty and truth, we have lost the argument and our society before we even step out the door in the morning. So again, I'm going to be launching on Monday this show on the podcast, looking so forward to connecting with all of you here. And if you have a question for me, by the way, email me um, at just the truth at americasvoice.news. I'd love to hear from you. We'll be answering questions on the public forum segment on the TV show, as well as here on the podcast. I will see you soon. I'm Jenna Ellis, and this is Just the Truth.